your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 16 and stand with me. Uh, rumor had spread around the church that I wasn't going to be here today. I was at the beach. I have the best wife in the world. She let me go by myself. Uh, just stay as long as you need to. And when she said that, I was like, I love you so much. But around the fourth day, my little girls started uh, eyes filling up with tears. And Isabel said, Daddy, when are you coming home? Because I just need you. And so Daddy drove home that night smelling like sunscreen. Got in at 2 in the morning. And when they went to wake up Mama, they found Daddy. And it was like a herd of, or a tassel of puppies crawling over you, you know. And so I'm good. And I, I do want to mention this. This is a, just an unseen thing. I want to tell you uh, one of the many wonderful attributes of our worship pastor, my associate pastor. He was uh, going to speak for me when I told him I was uh, coming back. And he said, well, pastor, you know, it's your, you're, you're welcome to do that. No offense, no, just always so flexible and kind. And I want you to know, however good you view him and his family, they're better than that. So y'all want to bless them this morning. We're so grateful for y'all. All right, Acts chapter 16. Got a lot of scripture for you this morning. Verse 6. Now when they, Paul and Silas, had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, they were come to Mysia and they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit... The Holy Spirit suffered them not or told them not to. And passing by Mysia, they came to Traos. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly ga gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Loosing from Traos, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that, that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was often made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in all of her household, she besought us, saying, If you judged me to, to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, that a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto you the way of salvation. And she did this many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their financial gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and under the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten. 
And when they'd laid many stripes upon them, just mark that in your Bible, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword to kill himself, supposing that all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do yourself no harm, we're all still here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, was baptized, he and all of his household. And when he brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. You may be seated, and God's blessings on the reading of his word. When I was thinking of titling this message, I, I'd even typed on the top line, boy, a lot can happen in one day. I thought another title could be, you know, my, how, what a difference a day makes. But this is a, a, a microcosm, if you will, of what we experience in our life, not just believers, but those that God uses. If you're going to be used of God, you will be used by God and misused by the world, abused. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Friendship with God is enmity of the world. And God places these accounts in the Bible, uh, not just for an historical uh, description of things that happened, but to show us. It's like putting on the green and watching somebody putt two or three times. If it breaks to the right, you know when you get up and the same thing happens to you, you can expect it to break the same way. It's for our education. It's for our learning. Be careful of modern day teaching and preaching that makes the emphasis of biblical passages about comfort and, and uh, release and increase. This is not, this chapter is not a pattern of how to get out of prison. This chapter shows how Paul and Silas brought God into their prison. It's not a formula. It's a life of faith. One, one of, of those that see the Lord, who know the Lord, who trust the Lord in the darkest of times. And for the next few moments, by God's grace, I want to speak to you on the subject of those that are used by God. Number one, if you're taking notes, and I trust that you are, those who are used by God allow God to lead them. This is one of the sure tell signs that you're a believer. They that led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God leads us through his word. He leads us through circumstances and then the witness of the spirit. A witness that it is him or a check that it's not him. If you are being guided and you feel a loss of peace, that's no. Peace is the governor of the Christian heart. 
I can go into absolute turmoil. And if I have peace, I know that God is with me. That passage where it says, and the spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. The wilderness was a dry place, a dangerous place, a dark place, a a lonely place, a place of no beauty. But he knew the Holy Spirit was taking him there for a purpose. And as long as you are in God's will, you are good. As long as you are in God's will. And the ones God uses are, they appreciate the will of God. And they recognize the will of God. And they esteem the will of God. And they're committed to the will of God for their life. And the person that is surrendered to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, not just in the word of God, but that still small voice, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the left and turn to the right. That person... uh, has access to not only the intentions and the purposes of God's will, but all the power necessary to get there. If I'm in his will, then he is responsible to provide for me everything I need to fulfill that will. Sounds funny, allowing God to lead them. When he could just make us do it, but there is a submission there that says... According to my eyes, this is what I ought to do. There seemeth a way that's right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And instead of me picking the obvious, and I know as soon as I give you control, you know, the closest distance between A and B is a straight line, and you have yet to this day to take me in a straight line. But I surrender my will. Be careful of the Christians that say, God gave you common sense. Well, yes, he did, but not for spiritual matters. The just live by faith, not by sight, not by carnal reasoning. The Bible said that they said the Holy Spirit uh, forbade us to go here and wouldn't let us go here. And in another place in uh, Acts, it says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. Some Christians will tell you, well, it's always the will of God to preach the gospel. Well, this says that they were going to go into a certain town and they felt uneasy, they felt a check. This is not the person that sees difficulty awaiting them and says, I don't want difficulty, that can't be the will of the Lord. It's that inner leading and listen, listen, if you can cultivate that, it will save you so much sorrow, so much wasted time. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My, and another one's voice they will not follow. And when you follow that voice, Other people will try to tell you, well, it has to be God's will to do this. You say, I don't have peace. That leading, that I'm not going to go, I'm not going to make this decision without you. I could, but I won't. I'm not making my decision about this job based on what they are offering. I am making my decision about this job based on how you feel about it. Where do you want me, Lord? We recognize the leading of God. We esteem God the leading of God. We submit to the leading of God. We don't add to the leading of God. We don't contradict the leading of God. And we should not question the leading of God. When God leads us, he doesn't give us details. He just gives us omniscient knowledge. Because God is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. When he leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake, you will experience things he didn't mention, but none of them catch him by surprise. Perfect knowledge. When he led you here, it was perfect knowledge. When he leads you away, 
It's perfect knowledge. And when those details come up, don't be frantic that God didn't tell you the details. He doesn't have to tell you the details to give you his will. And his will is unveiled. It's revela re revelational to us as the days progress. Those that allow God to use them are faithful to the leading of God. They're confident in the leading of God. And they're not anxious about the leading of God. Listen to this. God's leading in my life is not determined by good. I do not determine it's God's leading if it leads to increase. I do not give it merit because it leads to blessing. Blessing does not equate God's leading. God's leading is not determined by good, but it is good because of the one who's doing the leading. So if he leads me into the wilderness, it's intentional. If he leads me out of the wilderness, it's intentional. The goodness is not determined by my temporary residence. The goodness of God's will is determined by this is the one that cares for me and is making these decisions based on perfect knowledge. Number two, I need some water. Those who are used by God have learned to trust in his provision. Isn't it funny when they got to town and they went to the well and they saw women gathered there, they preached in them the word of God. There was, of course, ministry that took place. Salvation occurred in the heart of Lydia. She was already a believer, but she heard the whole gospel, her and her whole house. And then she says, and if you, if you find me faithful, I want to provide for you. I want to, you to come stay at my house. Now, this is not a pattern for ministers so that they can be sorry. God doesn't bless sorry. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, but it's a, it's a sign and symbol that you do not have to manipulate or maneuver and schedule in advance all of what is necessary to go. If God tells you to go, you know, in our home, God has to speak to two people, me and my wife. He'll confirm it through my wife. And if he says go, then there will always be provision waiting on me to match my discipline and work ethic to provide for everything that we need. No fear. No fear. I want to tell you as a living testimony that there has not been one exception to that rule in my life. I've walked with him 30 years. If his finger points, then the rest of his hand is attached to that finger to provide. And I have needed for nothing. There are seasons where it's tight and there are seasons where it's more than enough. And the older you live, you understand that it's in those good seasons, those seven years of plenty that you set aside for the seven years of lack that follow. You learn not to spend everything you have. But God is faithful. You, 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 the gift of God leading is not just the getting there. It's the freedom from worry because if he leads, then he knew this was waiting on me. If he knows my thoughts are far off before I think them, if my days were already ordered, numbered of the Lord, and he's planned, he's predestined certain things to happen in my life, when he leads us into a different chapter, it doesn't have to be familiar for him to be faithful. 
He's just faithful. Started this church. I didn't know any. You knew as much about starting a church as I did. Oh, come on, Pastor. No, you come on. I didn't know anything about pioneering. I look at my buddy Drew, and he had a systematic plan. Drew had a year thing and demographic studies and charts and stuff. I I look at him. I told him, I said, y'all just the smartest thing I've ever seen. I didn't know nothing. I knew nothing. I put one ad in the newspaper about that big with a little picture of me in the corner, and it was, hey, we're coming to your neighborhood. Like, all welcome. Here they come. No, not. Nobody came. But I remember very clearly years ago, years ago when I was on the evangelistic field, God spoke to me very clearly. He said, you are not allowed to promote yourself in any way. This is me. Not everybody else. Me. No brochures, no flyers, no slicks. This is before social media. And if you didn't have a folder to give to someone about your ministry, they didn't know. He said, you may have a card. And if someone asks you for it, you may give it to them. Because I want you to learn that I'm your provider. Because the, the part in me, uh, I don't know if anybody else is this way, is we want to tee it up for God. And we'll just do some background for you. And we'll put the tee up and take, well, there's a ball right there. No, let's put a softball right there. So you can, how about a beach ball? God, we'll put the beach ball right there. There you go, God. Now you do the last bit. Oh, look what the Lord did. And you kick the tee over. He said, I want you to see that I don't need your help in nothing. I will use your help for your education, but I don't need your help to provide for you. And I stepped out on nothing. These 20, can't believe it, 23 years ago, gave us a second Baptist, gave us a building, gave us sports town for 14 cents on the dollar, never had one capital fund drive in the history of this church. New Christian says, what's that? Well, us old Christians will tell you, that's when they put the thermometer on the stage. (laughs) And for the first hour, we talk about all the money in your pocket. Not we, they. And then the last five minutes, but we know the Lord will provide. And everybody goes home depressed. It's called a capital campaign. The church has camp and the people feel the pain. That's what I thought. That's what I thought it was. And the other way is so much more blessed. And I tell you that not to brag about me, but to tell you what's available to you. If you let him lead, he is faithful to provide. It's already in place. I may not see it, but it's got to happen. It has to happen. You think you're going to be the first one God fails? God had a great track record all the way, all the way. And then John Wood, he just... He let John down. Our problem is not our problem. Our problem is not the difficulties that we face. Our problem is we have not yet decided who gets to lead. Oh, that's good there. God always has a plan. God always works the plan. God always finances the plan. And God always finishes the plan. Lydia just happened to be there. Hey, you need a place to stay? Yeah. So now, look, it seems to be going good. He's serving the Lord. He goes to the well, preaches, people getting saved. Hey, would you like a free place to stay? Yes. Are you a good cook? That's the first thing you ask. Are you a good cook? And then we have to pray about if that was the Lord. If they say, no, we don't cook here, we, just, we have to pray after that. 
Now, number three. This is where angels fear to tread. So y'all strap in turbulent weather just ahead. Those who are used by God cannot ignore and will not be silent. I want to say that again. Cannot ignore and will not be silent when evil holds sway or influence with other people. Keep your Bible open. In verse 16, it said, And it came to pass as we went to prayer that a certain damsel, young girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, which means that the de- she would pray to supposedly dead people, and the demons would impersonate dead relatives and give them information that only the person would know, and she was very profitable to her owners. This woman, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, followed Paul and us and cried, These men are the servants of the Most High God and show unto us the way of salvation. Now read that. I want you to see it in your Bible. Is any part of this incorrect? These men are servants of the Most High God. Paul and Silas. Is that right? Y'all speak? Okay. They show unto us the way of salvation. Have they said anything wrong? Okay. And she did this many days. So she's supporting them. She's the cheerleader. Got a sign. Paul and Silas are great. Walking behind them. They show unto us the way of salvation. Doctrine's right. But Paul was grieved. Why would you be grieved that someone was agreeing with you and someone was uh, pronouncing that you are used by God and faithful and preaching proper doctrine? Because Paul had discernment. Paul felt what other people didn't feel. He knew what other people didn't know. He heard what other people didn't hear. So he did what other people wouldn't have the courage to do. He turned on his heels and rebuked the evil spirit in her. Where was the telltale sign? Spurgeon wrote once, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Recently, and this is a secular illustration. It's just, it's just silly to me that you'd even have to explain it. But I just want to, first of all, I'm no fan whatsoever of any music that desecrates uh, virtue, that desecrates women and makes them nothing more than a sexual object. And I most certainly am not a fan or someone that'll sit idly by when someone blasphemes the name of my Lord and Savior. But recently there was a a rap artist, those that listen to this, I I pray extra hard for you. Snoop Dogg, who's been around 20, 30 years now. um, Probably one of the most vulgar, lyrically, crass, blatantly blasphemous, and extolling sin as virtue of anybody that's ever been a singer in our lifetime. He recently released a gospel album. Now, uh, I got two things. Before I get into it, someone was said, "Well, well, what's so wrong with it? I'm glad you asked. The same thing that was wrong with this woman. Because if we allow her to hook up to this train, this ministry, 
if they were, she was allowed to ride Paul and them's coattails, when Paul was gone, she's now connected to all of the believers where she can institute her lies, her deception, her demonic activity, because really we're all believers, we're just coming to know our path, and Paul cut every string with her. Now, can Snoop Dogg or Dog Snoop or whoever, can they, they can write and sing whatever they want to. But I had one problem. Before you sing about the Lord, in humility, bring forth repentance that shows, bring forth the fruits of repentance. Just one statement, just one, saying, I renounce all this blasphemous hell that I sang to this generation for the last 20 years. I'm good with you. That don't make you a Christian, but you've renounced that, and you're approaching the Lord, wonderful. Anyway, I pulled up a, 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 a video was sent to me, or it blurs together. I either pulled it up, it was sent to me, I dreamed it, I don't know, but I saw it. Uh, and another person who is just out in total left field, sorry, I just, I've lived too long now to care what you think about, if it's, if, if it's heretical, it is, if it's not, it's not. Uh, listen to what uh, this pastor of this mega, mega church, uh, and I won't call his name, but uh, Creflo Dollar. Uh, what? And I'm sorry for this video. It's the only one I could find, and they put a little caption at the top and bottom, which I didn't. But listen to this, how it sounds almost right. Listen to this. You know, I want to say something publicly, and I don't know if I'm really correct in saying this, but... You're not. And I want to say something publicly. Uh, recently, uh, a man in California... I, I, he's a rapper. In fact, he's known as a legend. They call him, I think his nickname is Snoop Dogg. And he just, he just released a gospel album and to minister to people. Because his grandmama ministered to him and he had it on the inside of him. And isn't it sad that he received rejection and flack and how y'all gone? Support somebody like this after what they did and what they said. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? Somebody, I don't know, I might give him a call. Somebody should have said, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for releasing something that can minister to people and encourage people and help people out. We were so busy trying to dig up his past that we couldn't, we couldn't see that the working of the Holy Ghost on the inside. What's the matter with us? No, you got to go through your checklist. You know, I don't know if you're saved enough. I don't know if you've been saved long enough. And I just showed you a dude who just believed and, and he went and now you want to be the, the Holy Ghost police to decide to decide if somebody has done enough to be respected as a child of God. Y'all need to stop. You know, I want to say something publicly, and I don't know if I'm really correct. I almost want to say, where do you start? In this last hour before the return of Jesus Christ, there will be strong delusion that will appeal to 
uh, our feelings and our emotions and because some of us have seen abuses in churches where we wouldn't give a new believer a chance, they strum that chord and apply it to people where it's not the same thing. How dare you, Paul, judge this woman? All she is is a medium that talks to demons and here she is trying to connect and she's, she comes to the church and the church turns on her and the church judges her. No, Paul wasn't hurting a woman. He was protecting the church. He was protecting the church. And no, I'm not his judge. But I'm a, ju I'm a judge of what comes out of his mouth. And him, this pastor saying that this man who's not been born again, who does not have the spirit of Christ, the idea that he could minister to me, how blind we are. I can't give what I don't have. Now, if he says I'm looking into the things of God and I'm feeling remorseful, I, I'm all for the journey. But you need, to, you need to understand that the division in this last hour, one of the divisions is not just going to be believers and unbelievers. It's going to be the believers who are willing to stand and call it out. And no one wants to be that person because then you're labeled as that person. Oh, Pastor John's webpage, it's, that's got kind of an edge on it. That's because I'm watching 20-somethings name the name of Jesus and I know they're going to hell and they're not saved because they got some guy on a music award show living like absolute rebellion. I just want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for everything. How about it? Y'all give Jesus a shout. And all these unbelievers are shouting and everybody's acting as if that's born again. Born again is not singing a type of music. Born again is not coming to church. It's a recreated soul that repents of and turns from their past and goes forward. I can imagine this guy correcting the Apostle Paul. What you mean calling them out? He said, they're full of the devil. How do you know? You're not their judge. Because I have the Holy Spirit inside of me and I discern, I discern that that looks like and the words are perfect. But it's not of God. If God's going to use you, you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to open your mouth. You'll have to be willing to address what other people will not address and say what others are not willing to say and stand where others aren't willing to stand and fight where others are not willing to fight. When you stand on a stage and are singing songs and you change your name just a little bit to get as close to Jesus as you can and you imitate my Savior on a stage in perverted, twisted, voodoo-like music, no, you are not my brother. You are not a Christian. You are not a believer and I have no part with you. Now before you think that's arrogant, let me put it in the natural room. Somebody makes a statement and says, my wife's a whore. And I even hate saying it that and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be crass. You are not my friend. Oh, don't judge me. Oh, I've judged you all right. If that's how you view her and that's how you speak about her, Brother John, God said to love your enemies. I didn't say I didn't love my enemies, but I don't love his. 
You can spit in my face. I have had people spit in my face and it run down my face and I wipe it off and stand there because I'm supposed to turn the other cheek to you. You touch my wife or babies, it's own baby. It's own. It's <laughs> I'm not, hey, guys, no, I'm not bragging. Take the smallest guy in here. We lose our mind. Somebody's leaving skin up. I'm telling you. I hear it come out of your mouth. Or somebody tells me, I'm coming to your house. The division is drawn. And I may not whip you, but you better have packed a lunch. Because we're going to be here a long time. And you know what's missing in the church? Oh, you can just say what you want about Jesus. You can, you can take his sacrifice out of the gospel message. You can meet every Sunday and never talk about the blood that was shed for us. You can minimize him down to one of the way, like a way, a great prophet. When you minimize, distort, or change any part of who he is revealed to be in the scripture, you and I do not connect. You just don't. It's the way it is. Paul wasn't fooled by her words because her life contradicted them. Right after we did the gospel album, we're going on interviews and talking about nobody outsmoked me. Talk about dope. Nobody outsmoked me. I bet I've been with more women on and on and on and on. Be careful of people's words. They'll tell you on TV one thing. You know, I believe that Jesus is the way. I believe that Jesus is the way. And then on the next interview, they'll say, well, do you believe Muslims and Buddhists will make it different? Well, well sure. I, I'm not, I don't judge anyone, you see? So it's not just the words. Make sure you see it in the context of life. And that's when it gets heavy because you've got to do work. You've got to do work. And I want to say it again for the 300th time. If you ever hear anything come out of my mouth that contradicts the word of God, I am wrong or I am lying and you need to leave. Leave. The Bible says in the last days that because they love not the truth, God would send them strong delusion that they may believe a lie. And the church is coming under waves of deception. Waves of deception. Where Christians are celebrities. And this isn't in my notes, but I just, I feel like I'm supposed to share this. It's, you know, let's say I, I went out, I had to go overseas for two or three years. And I left Kelly and I said, uh, now Jason, I want to trust you because I know you're a family man. I want you to. I want you to look after my wife and babies. Just, it's not your responsibility to be there every day, but make sure they're okay. And you said, John, I will. And if Kelly started to uh, really appreciate him, now don't jump to something, just, just hear me. Really appreciate him and began to tell him, I don't know what we do without you. Uh, I, I don't know. And he received her affections. He's not my friend. He said, no. Hey, listen, I'm just doing what John asked me to do. Listen, and I'll do anything for you and, and your babies. But my wife knows about this. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just a person, faceless, bodiless. And these ministers that will demand, receive, and live on the affections of the bride, they're not friends of the bridegroom. 
you owe me nothing. Now, if you honor the role of a pastor, glory to God. Praise the Lord. You don't owe me anything. I am a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm one voice. Your affections are to be reserved, and there's only one celebrity in this house, and his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. Those who are used by God are no strangers to supernatural opposition and persecution. Look in your Bible, verse 19 through 23. We'll be winding this up in just a moment. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace into the rulers, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten. I am not stating that those who are involved in full-time ministry being those who earn their living as ministers have more opposition. What I am saying is if your life is submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ to use as he pleases, you wear a bullseye. If God uses you divinely, then Satan will oppose you supernaturally. He will attack your family. He will attack your health. He will attack your uh, place of employment. He will, he will attack at every front. So here they are. They just won Lydia to the Lord. Nothing really going wrong until they reached the city and they caused impact. They started to change the temperature. Not only did this woman uh, get called out, the demon come out of her and she can't talk to dead people no more. And so all the money starts to change, and the devil was furious with Paul and Silas. One of the ways you know you're in the will of God, Mama Sheila, when we take on intercession for others, we draw hell's attack because he, he comes after those that are making the difference in the lives of other people for the glory of the Lord. As soldiers of Jesus Christ, we are at war we're at war. And listen, I, I'm just going to offend everybody this Sunday, okay? I'm just going to offend. I'm, I'm just, and there's nothing wrong with these things. I'm not saying these things are sinful, okay? But me standing on a corner giving bottles of water out to people, okay? That's not harmful. It's not helpful. Okay. War is going into places with the gospel of Jesus Christ, being an intercessor, praying, bringing people out of darkness into the light, discipling people. And when you do that, one of the ways you know that you are being effective is all hell breaks loose against you. And they brought them in and they caused them to be beaten. They caused them to be uh, flogged, stripped naked and flogged. And I have learned, and I just told you how faithful the Lord is. I am not complaining, but this, I am in one. It's a personal war. It's a violent war. It's a relentless war. It's a multifaceted, multi-front war. It's a costly war. It's a sobering war, a transformational war. It is a holy, honorable war to be in. 
The warfare of the believer is inevitable and the results are irreversible. A soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I, you'd say, I'm not a soldier. Yes, you are. You're either a good one or a bad one. You're either in, on duty or AWOL. And there should be ground gained for the Lord. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you've done nothing wrong, but I want to draw a point out. You see how quiet it is here? You go to do this at a conference when everybody comes together. No, no, no. We want to make you happy. Hype it up. Let's go, let's go. The Christian faith is an invitation to die so that you might live again with great reward in the next life. Because if I lose my life in this one, I'll find it. But if I keep my life, I will lose it. And that's why churches aren't telling you, not inviting you to die, to reckon yourselves dead unto sin and alive unto God. They're telling you you can have your best life today. My best life ain't today. My best life is when I see him. And when we get home and we end our journeys. Ben, if you would come here. Satan recognizes authority and power, and he reacts accordingly. I love when the demon spoke out of the sons of Sceva. They said, uh, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. That demon said, we know Paul. <laughs> Paul is real. When hell knows your name, that's strong. I hope it knows mine. I am nothing to look at. I am nothing to listen to. But I'm spending, I'm intended, and I know you are as well. I'm spending my life for the glory of the Lord. I hope they said, John went into Macon. John, and started preaching the gospel, and seven churches come up. You know, the, the, the hell recognizes. It's not, it didn't recognize his gift. He recognizes his authority. And we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, schemes, and tactics. His opposition of us is strategic, systematic, detailed, and personalized. It can be obvious or subtle, spiritual or carnal, public or private. Chris, if you could turn this down just a little bit in my ear up here for me. And finally, the pain and the platform of prison. Understand this. When your faith causes great opposition, persecution, and imprisonment, you can be imprisoned without being imprisoned, separated from others, alienated, isolated, maligned, misused. Paul saw this so clearly. He said, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus. I'm not your prisoner. I'm his. And he wants to put me here. He wants to put me in the prison. Okay. He wants to put me in the palace. Okay. He wants to put me on the front line or the back line, the forefront or the middle. I am his to do with as he pleases. Almost every time I hear a sermon on this passage, they tell you how they prayed and sang praises and God had to get them out. Let's examine this in closing. This prison was caused by other people. It was undeserved and painful, laid many stripes on them. So they're without clothes and they took rods and whips and beat them so their flesh is open. It was a place of separation, I told you, isolation and confinement. The inner prison. So they go in the prison 
into the inner prison, which is the innermost place, and their feet were in stocks, so they can't move. And Satan will come in our life and confine us and limit us and cause isolation and darkness. It was a place of gross darkness. You couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. So here they are naked, really, to, except for maybe undergarments. Back is wide open. Legs are open. Chained to a limestone wall and they can't see anything because the devil thinks if he can just get you alone and by yourself and in darkness, you'll forget what you knew in the light. Don't forget in the darkness what you knew in the light. Gross darkness. This prison was a place of mental and spiritual warfare. Did I miss your will, Lord? Did I do something wrong? I thought I was in you. We've all done that. But it's a place of revealing. Prisons don't give you character. They reveal the character you have. It opens up an opportunity. And it said, and at midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises unto God. So let's, let's back up. So with an open back, they're praying and singing praises. Naked, praying and singing praises. Isolated, maligned, mocked, falsely accused. They prayed and sang praises. They weren't following seven steps to get out of a prison. They just knew God was watching. What if, what if Silas, you know, in the prison, you know, they're tied to the wall, can't see each other. Hey, hey, prophet, what are we going to do now? Paul says, it's time to sing, son. What are you talking about? Shh, God's listening. And they prayed, and they praised God, and the prisoners heard them. I bet you didn't know that your prison was a pulpit. And you can either use your pulpit to tell others how God has failed you or you can declare the goodness and the righteousness of God in the worst of circumstances. And, they're, and the prisoners heard them and they said, why, why would they say that about God if this, they don't have a situational God. They have a Lord that has been so good to them that they will believe him in the worst of times. And the Bible said the earth began to shake and all the prison doors flew open. Oh, this feels good, this feels good. All the prison doors flew open. The jailer knowing, I'm a dead man. He feels the earthquake, he hears the doors uh, and it's pitch black. Paul screams out, Hey, don't do it. And he, he calls for a light. Why would he call for a light? Because you can't see. A voice said, don't do it. So he runs in there with the light. And Paul said, we're still in here. Time out. Did you see it? What do people that want to get out of prison do when the doors swing open and the chains fall off? They run. He said, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And I want to step through, you know, the field of dreams thing. I want to step through and go, why did you not get out of there? And I can hear Paul saying, why would you ever leave a place where the Lord is? Do you see it? That earthquake. We were just saying, Jesus, 
We were just singing. I was just praying. I wonder what God's going to do here. I think I would rather live in a prison with the presence of God than have the run of the palace without God. Let's see what God's going to do. Hey, don't do it. He comes in there and goes, what? He goes, we're all here. I heard you. I heard what you asked the Lord. I heard what you, you prayed for us, didn't you? I saw how your God answered prayer and broke the walls of this place. What must I do to be saved? I'm glad you asked. So with his back open, his nakedness there, he preaches the gospel. The man takes him home, bathes the stripes on his back, puts the ointment in the salve, wraps him in there. His whole family comes to know Jesus. And this sore, painful prophet baptizes everyone in their house. And he sets down a meal for them to eat. How awkward is that? I can imagine Paul and Silas going, yours good? That's good. Boy, God can pack a lot in a day, can't he? Woo, Lord. The miracle is not the earthquake. The miracle is the perspective of the believer. And if God's going to use you, you got to be used. You got to suffer. How beautiful are those words in my ears this morning. I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, comma, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And he was, look. And don't, don't, don't think I'm bragging. Jesus has a thing for scars. Do you know when we get home, the glorified Christ who you will not be able to look upon him in full glory because there's no need for the sun anymore, the Bible says. When the Son of God manifests, it'll be brighter than the sun. He left his scars. He wants you to know there's glory in your scars. So when Paul was saying, I'm bearing my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus, he wouldn't say, feel sorry for me. He goes, guess how much glory I got coming my way. I don't know who this is for this morning, but the Lord wanted me to tell you, you got to stand up. You got to stand out. You got to speak up. And when all hell comes against you, you ought to marvel that someone like you and I could be accounted worthy to suffer for his namesake. So if they want to curse, curse on. If you want to despise, alienate, separate me, say what you're going to say as long as I hear him say, you are good and you were faithful. Oh, I went nine minutes over. Ben, do you have enough voice to lead us in that one time, the chorus part? Y'all stand with us. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
This is what we need for this week. Can I share one other quick thing with you? Just, I, I call them little nuggets in the Word. You know, when you read and you see something in there that maybe it wasn't on the, on the primary part. Why didn't God just and knock the shackles off and open the door? Earthquake. And I'm, I'm, I'm not being irreverent. Is that overkill? I mean, He wanted them to know. <laughs> What do you call earthquake? It's an act of God. He wanted them to know that this is me. Now, I can't build nothing. I, I hacksaw, chainsaw, buzz, I, I don't know. I, I can't fix or build anything. But when you have an earthquake, break apart the foundations of a hewn out prison. So much so that the walls have been moved and all the doors are open. You don't go back in that prison ever again. This prison you're in right now, when you get out, you don't have to go back in that one ever again. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.